Hello and welcome to the Barely There podcast, everybody. We have taken a week off, but we are back. We are ready to talk about the NFL draft. Um, wherever you're listening to us, whether you're watching our just fat, ugly mugs live, we uh, we welcome you to the stream. Um, otherwise, be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube. If you search up Barely There, we'll be there. Um, be sure to catch us on Spotify, um, Apple. We're on all the streaming platforms that you need. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Barely There Pod, I believe it is. And, uh, yeah, man, we are a little over a week away from the NFL draft, Lucas. How are we feeling, buddy? Um, actually feeling really good. Um, speculation season comes to an end. We get to see some actual results. We're going to learn a little bit about Ryan Pace, whether he wants to trade up a little bit, trade down a little bit, um, or Ryan Poles, I'm sorry. is Did I say Ryan Pace? Either way, it's... You 100% said Ryan Pace. You're they fucked us. I mean, they really fucked us on that. To really Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles versus Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. They, they fucked us on that, so I'm sure that's going to happen quite a bit throughout the process. But no, it, it's really nice to just see where things are heading. Um, you know, it seems like a lot of draft boards are finalizing. There's a huge disparity on a lot of draft boards, which is why the draft is always such a crapshoot. Um, but yeah, just, just happy to see like where the bears are going to be going, what direction they're going to be heading in. Yeah. I mean, I feel the same way, Lucas. Um, we're definitely hitting that point of the year where the same names are popping up over and over and over again. Um, the Chicago bears fan base, whether it's on Facebook, Twitter, wherever, wherever you find your Chicago bears news. Um, it seems like we're kind of getting down to the, the favorites. We're getting down to the sexy names. We're getting to the names that really roll off the tongue. Um, the last names that Chicagoans can pronounce, because I know that's definitely an, an issue every year. Um, I know there's at least like one 50 year old man with gray hair just smacking a fucking Italian beef sandwich, just hoping and praying we're drafting somebody whose last name we can pronounce because, you know, you know how it goes. If you're from Chicago, you know exactly what the hell I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, you know, I, uh, I I think the biggest thing, you know. I just try not to fall into draft hype too hard, you know, and Lucas, I know you, I know you can definitely follow me here. Um, I try not to fall into the highlight tapes, you know, cause I kind of like looking at, at everything from kind of a broad scope. I don't fall in love with combine times because we've seen this g- game play out over and over, you know, the great 40 time doesn't always pan out. I'm looking at you, Darius Hayward Bay and Kevin white. Um, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where, you know, everyone's an expert, um, nobody really has the answers, but, uh, we got some players that we like, and we're going to talk about them. So Lucas, let's, let's do a little hypothetical here. It is pick 39 and most of the good wide receivers are off the board. And we'll get to the wide receivers here in a little bit, but who's, who's the guy that isn't a wide receiver and takes snaps on the outside that you're paying attention to at 39. If all your boys at wide receiver aren't there. Um, that's tough, man. That's a really difficult question. Cause it just depends on who slides, right? Like if you use pro football network mock draft or PFF mock draft, you'll see different guys slide. Sometimes it's Kenyon green, um, the guard, sometimes it's Tyler Lindenbaum. So like if you get any kind of first round prospect, that's not sexy. That's playing, you know, uh, interior D line position or interior offensive line position at that 39 spot. I feel like you have the chance uh, or a chance to snag the best player, um, at one of those two positions at 39. You think about a guy like Eddie Goldman, Cody Whitehair, who I know has caught a lot of garbage recently, but Cody Whitehair was, uh, has been really good for the bears, 
uh, minus last year, you know, and he's, he's one of those guys that's in that 30 range, that 30 to, you know, 32, 33, whatever the pick is to 39 range really is, Hey, we're going to pick up the leftover first round prospect. So it really just depends like who is falling. Right. Um, I would love a guy like Kyler Gordon, you know, like Kyler Gordon that plays, you, you can never go wrong with picking up a, a pretty sol- solid cornerback. I believe he led up zero touchdowns his senior year, um, played at Washington. So, you know, he played some good football for a long time. Um, not necessarily the guy that I would say is scheme fit for the Chicago Bears or what Matt Eberflus likes to do in zone, but I really like his skill set. And I feel like, you know, realistically, Eberflus should be able to adjust to having a guy like Jalen Johnson and Kyler Gordon. I feel like that would be a really nice compliment to have them two as your bookends, bookends playing like man coverage, press man coverage, able to do a little bit more with path, pass rush. So it really just depends on who's there. Yeah, um, you know, and I think that's going to be the big thing when it comes to defensive players, um, especially for the guys who drop. Um, I Even like I, David o, um, you know, the David Ojabo, I believe his name is. He's from Michigan, right? Really good player. Yeah, I, yeah, I know what you're talking else. about. A guy like Boye Mafe, like those are picks that are not going to get Bears fans excited because they're on the defensive side of the ball. But when you look, it's like these guys have a first round grade. Like they could produce at a very, very, very high level. And they're still at premium positions like corner and like edge rusher. Well, and I think that's that's something that Bears fans need to start kind of coming to grips with. Um, you know, it's it's fine to kind of jump into fantasy fantasy land and think we're going to go offense across the board and grab like all the great skill players that we want. But like the reality is we have an undrafted GM and we have a defensive minded head coach and they're going to find somebody on the board, even if those skill players are out that they're that they like you know i wouldn't be surprised at all if our first pick went to the defensive side of the football if that's what the draft entails i really think you have to kind of go with the flow you have to uh especially when you're sitting out of the first round and um you're not really in a position to trade up i know there's been a lot of talks trading up i don't think we're in a great position to do so especially with how much uh cap room we have going into next year and having a full draft would really help that um you kind of have to let the first round play out and you kind of have to go from there I think it'll determine if we trade back or not, but um, you know, I I really think this uh, this safety room um, throughout this draft is uh, it's it's a little top heavy, but there are some pretty good uh, prospects out here. Um, I know I've brought up jo- uh, Joaquin Brisker. If he falls out of the first round at thirty nine, and um, all of our guys at wide receiver are gone, I feel like you'd be really hard pressed to pass on that. Um, he's kind of dropped a little bit throughout the process. I'm not entirely sure why. Um, he started out the process with like a, a low first round pick grade and it's kind of dwindled to like a second, third round pick grade, but there is a glaring hold safety. There is just, it is impossible to, to deny that. Um, we have DHC obviously who has seen, you know, good amount of snaps at that position, but let's be honest, that's, that's probably our top special teams guy if we're being totally real. Um, and the guy we signed from, um, Tennessee, you know, while he is shown to be pretty good in coverage, is that necessarily a guy that you're totally on board with starting next to Eddie Jackson next year? You know what I mean? Like, it's good. We, I love getting competition in the room. You know, we had to say goodbye to Deion Bush and we had to bring somebody in to replace him. So I definitely understand the signing, but like, we need to be able to have young competition and a guy like Matt Eberflus, who had some pretty good, uh, a pretty good secondary in Indianapolis and a pretty good, pretty good secondary for the most part when he was uh, out in Dallas, you know, with different moving players, you know, very athletic type safeties and corners. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if we went secondary. Um, I, I also think we can't ignore uh, 
the defensive line. Um, there's quite a few names here that I feel like who could drop. Um, Jordan Davis is obviously going in the first round. There's no doubt about that, in my uh, opinion. Aaron Winfrey from Oklahoma is a name that I really like, actually, at D-line. I hate to cut you off, but that's like no, you're good. perfect three technique. Like I see he, I see him being that guy that really a lot of guys wanted from Ogunjobi. You know, um, I see him being that guy. I could see him playing. That's what I mean by, like, not a sexy pick. Like, okay, an interior D lineman from Oklahoma, what does that really do for you? But, the, but what you think about what the Chicago Bears defense is going to be trying to do and how important the three technique is, like, and having a guy that's a seamless, perfect fit. Now, I don't want to try to – take guys like Ryan Pace would do a lot of the time. And, you know, like your boy, Travis Gibson, who a lot of people are coming out of the hype train, like he's a four, three defensive end in, in college. Now he wants to make him a three, four player. Sure. You could do that in the fifth round, but I don't want to do that with our second round pick. Like I want it to be a perfect scheme fit if we're going defense, because if we're going to take some shots, I'd rather it be on the offensive side of the ball. Um, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Keep, keep going. I just wanted to throw his name out there. No, you're good. Um, I have two names that I've kind of seen floated around. Um, DeMarvin, DeVar, DeMarvin Leal. <laughs> Jesus, I'm, I'm that old guy with the beef in my hand right now. Um, DeMarvin Leal, he's a guy who uh, has looked pretty good at Texas A&M. He started to drop a little bit on the boards. Um, I think it's very realistic that he would be there even at our second pick in the second round. Um, and a guy that I've really liked throughout most of this process and Zachary Carter from Florida, um, I think he – he is he has like gap shooter four three defensive tackle written all over him like think of like a henry melton type guy that's that's what i think of like a guy like zachary carter in this scheme um and i i think that would be a pretty pretty clean fit honestly in matt eberflus's system and it's something that we don't necessarily have you know um we don't really have that guy inside right now who is like looked at as a legit pass rusher um unless we were to move like muhammad inside which i really don't think we will i think we're, he's going to be paired with uh Travis Gibson and um he seems you know, like more of a run defender kind of guy too like a contain push everything inside type of yeah they're not necessarily like a, a, a sack chaser or a quarterback getter after her yeah I mean he's pretty good at setting the edge on a contain as well so that's one thing that kind of goes into his favor as well but um yeah dude I could see Eberflus really going after um a defensive tackle because with his scheme, you know, it's kind of similar to how Lovey Smith's scheme is. We're going to need a lot of pressure from the front four. That's where the majority of our pressure is going to come. You know, there's not a lot of linebacker blitzing in this scheme. Um, we really don't send the uh, slot corner as much either. It's a lot of uh, kind of play back and let the guys up front kind of, uh, you know, attack the line of scrimmage and get to the quarterback. So we're going to need that inside presence. And uh, I think there is quite a few options falling into the second and third round that are going to be there. Um, uh, Perry and Winfrey from Oklahoma as well, six three three zero three, big yeah, boy. That's, that's who ran, I been with. Yeah, he ran a four eight nine. You know, and like I like I said at the top of the show, I don't want to go nuts on uh, forty times, but he plays that fast and he's big. Like, well, I think um, it's fair. I think it's fair to look at like forty times and you know ex explosive measurables, broad jumps, and vertical jump. That's fine if you want to look at that as a separator when you get between like, hey, there's three guys I really like, like. Who has the highest ceiling depending on their numbers, right? Like who is who has the most opportunity to be the most athletic player at that position? Like when I'm looking at two or three different guys that I have in the same tier. But when you're basing your argument, like for me, David Bell, so many people have said, I had one motherfucker say to me, simply put, David Bell does not have the athletic ability to succeed in the NFL. 
he would be an outlier. I'm like, fuck that, dude. That's insane to me. Like, when you watch him, he's a ball player. Like, sure, he might not be the same level of effective um, moving from Purdue to, uh, you know, moving from the Big Ten to the NFL. But that's that's fucking asinine to say just because his 40 time and his broad jump, just because he tested horribly means he does not have a shot in the NFL. That's like, I mean, I'm sure it's motivation for him, but – um, one thing I will say about slot corners is depending on what kind of slot corner they have, I mean, Flus will blitz him. Like, so that's like he he does like to kind of sit back and play a little bit more uh, or less aggressive in terms of blitzing and stuff like that. But he will like with with Kenny Moore, he had his he was going nuts with fucking dude in Indianapolis. But then again, it's someone that also kind of fit perfectly with what he wanted to do. And Dallas, he didn't do it nearly as much. Um, but I think it's just like. I think a lot of bears fans are going to be disappointed in general, you know, because you're going to see a guy like George Pickens. That's probably going to be there at 39 and they're going to go ahead with someone like a, a Pierre and Winfrey or a Kyler Gordon. Because when you look at George Pickens and where he ranks amongst wide receivers, and when you look at uh, Kyler Gordon or Pierre and Winfrey and where they rank at their position and what kind of impact they could have for the next four years, it's, I think it's like really not even close. It's, Pickens is a good prospect, but he, you know, we were talking about this before the show. He is a little bit overblown in terms of what I think he's going to be able to come in and do year one. Like, yeah, it's sick, dude. His highlights, he's a nasty motherfucker. He'll come up, he'll get in your face, he'll he'll decleat defenders in run blocking. Like, I love to see that. I would love to see that a little bit more um, at that 48 pick or if the Bears trade down and get a little bit more value and they're able to go ahead and get one of these defensive tackles that might fall into that 90 or hundred range. You get what I'm saying? Like I don't love pick Pickens as a solo pick at 39. Um, I guess it's a decent transition into us talking about receivers. They do. Yeah. And um, it's actually, uh, I actually really want to make this point on George Pickens. So I'm glad you brought him up. Um, one thing people have to realize is Georgia is like a top school in college football. They get some of the best recruits in the country and um you know when you have limited film on somebody or you have like film on somebody young in their like who is like early on in their college career chances are some of those guys are gonna look really good you know just by athleticism alone and that's a lot of what georgia got out of george pickens when they recruited him in the first place but does ryan poles want to take a shot on a wide receiver who has already torn his acl in his life or like in the past what year um i i, I really think that's a hard sell um, I think it's less than a year removed. I, if I am correct, that was his played. first overall pick, right? Like, yeah, he, that's rounder. This is his first pick he's making as the Chicago Bears GM. Yeah, that's that's setting quite the tone. You know what I mean? And that's immediately something that people would be on his case about. Not necessarily that that's how you kind of strategize compared to like I mean, how Kevin the Chicago White media feels about that. up, right? With Ryan Pace, like I didn't, I didn't want to say Kevin White, but you're absolutely correct. He's still that is, brought up. That was his first pick, right? Like. Imagine he takes someone with injury history or injury concerns. Like he needs to just get the best possible scheme fit on either offense or defense, preferably the line for my sanity. Yeah. Well, it's when I hear that NFL guys are really high on a guy like George Pickens, it just, it kind of follows the white noise for me because he was a top prospect coming out of college and we didn't get to see what he could fully do because of his injury. They don't want to hold that against him. They want to look at the idea that he's top prospect and he can move pretty well. There's, there's no denying that, but that's not, that's not somebody I want to take a chance on. That's not somebody that a guy like Ryan Poles, I feel like wants to take a chance on. And I mean, that would be quite the uh, eye opener in my opinion, if we were to do that, because even from his freshman year to his sophomore year, there was a pretty pretty steep decrease in what he was doing out there you know what i mean he wasn't nearly as effective as he once was 
type thing. Um, but you know, going to wide receivers, I would be absolutely remiss at this point in the podcast to not bring up the guy who has fallen through everybody's draft boards, who has just kind of fallen through the concrete, and it almost feels like just is kind of just sitting there for the Bears to take. And that is, of course, Lucas, my boy Traylon Burks. Um, it seems like throughout the entire pre-draft process his name has just dropped on most boards that i've seen um didn't run a great lot of sense dude well i mean it's didn't run a great 40 time that'll be held against him his his raw athletic score is 5.79 which is not very good yeah and it's like like whatever dude if you want to base everything off a raw athletic score that a guy on twitter made which by the way I, i appreciate that he puts the work into that like that's that's not something i'm totally on board with that's not something i'm gonna like i'm ready to jump out of a window and be like Traylon burks is not the guy we think he is um dude he's got good hand size uh, he's got good size in general. Like it's funny you say that. I got his scouting report up. Says he has to have custom made five XL gloves to wear on game day. That's dude, that's pretty gangster. Dude. Does that not sound great <laughs> oh, to have you. like as like your deep threat? You know what I mean, dude. Your holster and dong just fucking get custom made gloves. Are just you straight fucking paws, dog? Just oh. man hands for days. Well, and that's like. That's the thing that people aren't looking at with him. Like, and when you look at his film, dude, this guy played in the SEC. He did not play in no bullshit football conference, man. This was the best conference in college football. And he showed out. This wasn't some George Pickens where he showed a little bit of potential early on in his career and, you know, kind of dwindled off. Bro, he went 820 in his sophomore year. Uh, 100, um, 1.1 thousand yards in his fucking sec- in his uh, third year with 11 touchdowns. Like, beating top opponents like fucking going against Alabama, going against Missouri, going against LSU, going against Penn State, Mississippi State, Auburn, Georgia, the Texas, dude. These are all Texas A&M. These are all really good defenses. You know what I mean? Maybe not Texas so much. I, I'll admit that. They, the Big 12 defense is kind of rough. But um, awful. But the, either way, we get your – I mean, you look at the top five, um, you know, corners coming out of uh, – the top five corners coming out in the draft this year, I, I guarantee you two or three of them are in the SEC. So, yeah. And he was always, he was always, he had to be followed, man. He was the guy, you know, like I've said on this podcast, like probably three, four times already, he was always the best player on the field. Like it, it, game wise in college football, maybe not prospect wise. If you want to get real fucking technical with like guys on the Alabama defense or something like that, he was the best player on the field at all times. I truly believe that. And now, 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 now that you bring that up, there's been this insane infatuation with X receiver and labeling X receivers. And I, I just want to say first Traylon Burks is a true X receiver um, in stature and everything, but X receiver only means that they're pretty much lining up on the opposite side of the tight end. And they're lining up on the line of scrimmage, which limits them from being able to motion. So when you really want to get fucking technical with it, I just feel like a lot of people out there, just Google it, homie. Like before you start tweeting heavy because you see someone else say X receiver. And now you believe X receiver means that they get 1600 yards and 22 touchdowns. Like, no dude, X receiver is literally a fucking alignment. And you need to understand that. Like it's, it's literally there for the coach and play calling. Like it has nothing else to do with anything. Sure. True X receivers. You want your Julio Jones. You want your Calvin Johnson. Traylon Burks fits that mold as well, but he plays X and he demands that attention. You want to talk about like true traits of an X receiver. It's being a coverage dictator. 
is the is the defensive backfield bracketing towards your section? Are you being double covered? Um, are they worried about you taking the top off the defense only? Are they worried about you on at every level? You know what I mean? Like that's like when you want to talk about it, like philosophically versus what it actually means. Like, I just feel like there's a lot of people out there that don't know what the fucking X receiver is. And when it comes to trailing Burks, I think it's insane to me that he's slipping because other than um, Garrett Wilson, Garrett Wilson to me is probably the top prospect. He's the only one like worthy of a top 10 pick. In my opinion, he's by far the best player. And he reminds me of some of my favorite players in the league. He's thick as fuck. He's six, three Like he is an AJ Brown type of player where he's going to get the ball. First of all, he's taking the top off the defense. I don't care how fast they say he runs. He, he has done that many times. There's so many times you see him in his highlights, taking a screen all the way to the house or just taking a quick slant all the way to the house. Um, And then he's just, he's a big fucking boy after the catch. Like he plays, he plays like a grown ass man. And that's what I like about him personally. So if he falls to 39, that's a no brainer. Absolutely. No brainer. Yeah, I I 100% agree, man. Uh, probably the biggest things I always see out of his scouting reports, and I don't want to talk about Trailer Burks the entire time, but I feel like this is important. Like, because I know Bears fans kind of have this idea of what they look for in a wide receiver. Um, kind of to your ex ex receiver point, Traylon Burks plays every wide receiver position. He did it at Arkansas. He can play anywhere you need him to go. His route running is beautiful. Um, 50-50 and jump balls, phenomenal with his ability. Um, uses his frame to get in good position. Out jump deep, out jumps defensive backs constantly and um reliable hands. Like he is a guy who can high point the ball. He has so much like just sh- like core strength to him. Like there is no weak spot on his body. He's not one of those like upper body strength wide receivers with the tiny ass legs. Like this guy is a like you said, dude, he's a grown ass receiver, man. He's a grown ass fucking man playing wide receiver. So I, I think at that position, you really have to look at that. Um, and honestly, I, I want to talk about the guy because I know a lot of people are really high on him. I'm honestly pretty high on him too, because I really think that the, the sky is the limit for what he can do. I just wonder about the competition he played and it's Christian Watson. Christian Watson is actually the guy why tra- I feel like is the biggest reason why Traylon Burks has fallen to the Chicago bears conversation because he has shot up the draft board six foot four two ten. You know, we talked about Traylon Burks hands dude. Christian Watson's got slightly bigger hands like that that's insane like runs a four three six dude and you know i don't want to go nuts on 40 times but when you watch the film dude he's just streaking down the field like it's like he is we talk about Traylon burks being the best player on the field christian watson at north Dakota state was it's questionably the the best player on the field that's the thing it's not even close with him and to me he's the most intriguing player in the draft overall like out of everybody in the draft i think he's the most intriguing because he truly is one of those guys with if if he has the ceiling of like, man, dude, I don't know what he can become, but it couldn't be insane. You know what I mean? Like, does I'm not going to sit here and say Christian Watson, if he's completely polished, he's a Hall of Fame player. But I do think he has like that type of potential. When you watch the way he plays, it's absurd. Every single play he pretty much has is a house call. There's no like oh, he got wrapped up. And no, like he bullied motherfuckers at North Dakota State. And that's that's what makes me worry. Similar to Drake, um, I think his name's Drake Jackson, the the wide receiver, or I'm sorry, Drake London. Drake Jackson is, I think, the edge rusher from, from USC. But Drake London is like, he plays such like bully ball. He's just so much bigger than everybody. Catches the ball in traffic. I worry about his lower extremities. He kind of plays like Gronk at wide receiver to, to me. You know what I mean? He's not doing anything impressive in terms of footwork route running separation hands like any of that he's just literally 
bigger than everybody. And that's something like with Christian Watson, he's bigger than everyone, stronger than everyone, faster than everyone. It's not even close. Like it's not normal. I don't care. We were talking about this before. If he's in the Mac or if he's in the PAC 12 or not even if he's just not in a power five conference, but outside of, you know, if he's in the FCS, like he is going to be a no doubt first round draft pick. Like there's, there's, it's, it's clear, but it's hard to tell. Like, are these guys in his conference that much worse athletes than, than people in like true D one programs, you know? So I, I think that's the, it's just hard. It's intriguing though. That's the only guy where it's like, you know, if I'm Ryan Poles, if I'm going to take a risk on somebody, if he's at 39, I, I think you take that risk because of what the ceiling can be. And it's, I don't think his floor is that low. I don't think he turns into a complete bust. I just think he's not nearly as, you know, he, he has that, a potential to not be, you know, fall on his face, like only be a limited type player in the league. Yeah. I I think the only thing you could really worry about when it comes to like just talent wise from him would be how good his routes look when he's not playing, when he's not that much faster than everybody yeah, else. For sure. He'll take the top off a of defense. That's what I'm saying by limited. Like he'll have that, he'll be able to complete that role, but I think he can do a lot, lot more. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's what makes like the NFL draft so intriguing is because we just ha- we have prospects like these that come up every. It's not every year because it's not every year we have a wide receiver come out like Christian Watson who played as well as he did as well as his size and speed, but um, every couple of years like it's he's really boomer bust to me. Like I, I think he could be good like on the lower end of that scale, you know, but I don't know if he would be first round good if he's at the lower end of that scale. Whereas he has the potential, like, dude, he has the size of a guy like fucking, I hate to say this because I hate bring, I hate comparing draft prospects to like hall of famers, but dude, he looks like fucking Calvin Johnson coming that, out. Of that's how he's Georgia built. Tech. Not small, but that's how he's built dude. Right. Like, and he's just a fucking freak. Like, and we were talking about Kevin white. That's he has a, Kevin White was an absolute fucking freak. And that's what you think about with, with Watson. Now, Kevin White's issues had a lot more to do with injuries than anything else, you know, but um, cause I think he was still getting tryouts and shit with the saints and down the road, five, six years after he left the Chicago bears. And it's like, because he's that much of a freak athlete. Um, but I like the, what I saw from Christian Watson in general. I think he's a really intriguing prospect to me. It's like Watson's a guy for sure. I'm taking a risk at, at 39 Burks, no doubt, no brainer, but like some of these guys I'm hearing, like we talked about Pickens, Jahan Dotson, don't like him at all. Really small. Um, not a big fan of him. You know, Alec Pierce, I feel like he's extremely overrated when you want to talk about explosive, tangible or, or explosive testing and things of that nature, Alec Pierce and Christian Watson were probably two of the most impressive people in terms of testing and RAS scores and shit like that. You see it with Christian Watson. Every time he touches the ball, it's lethal. With Alec Pierce, I do not see that testing. You know what I mean? I, I don't see it come into play on the field. He should not be having that many unseparated – like, he should be wide open. You know what I mean? Like, he should not be completely covered, having every one of his highlight plays being him covered and him high-pointing the ball. Like, that's awesome that he has that skill, but he's only six foot one. He's not this big guy that – his style of play doesn't match what his production showed. You know what I mean? Like – that's what I'm saying. Like, it, I don't see it translating as well as I see someone like a Chris Olave or like a Garrett Wilson. Like, those guys are route runners with great footwork. Even David Bell, like, really good footwork. Like, you know those guys are going to get open based on technique. 
I don't, I don't see that with Alec Pierce, if that makes sense. No, I think uh, I'm glad you brought up footwork because I feel like that's something that's very underrated when it comes to the NFL. Devontae um, Adams, Keenan Allen, Tyreek Hill, like all of them are masters at it. Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown at the absolute – yeah, I was say, Antonio Brown at his peak was one of the best receivers the NFL has ever seen. Like I, I will, Yeah, dude. I'll actually – I will vouch for that. And I'm a guy who's not totally huge on Antonio Brown the person, but like goddamn. Well, he's such um, a jag off, but he was unbelievable as a player. <laughs> he was. He was that good in Tampa too. He was just out of his fucking mind. Like he could have been that good. They just – it wasn't going to happen, you know? Yeah, I mean, but like footwork is such a – big deal when it comes like when you're starting to look past like the first round freaks man everything past that like can this guy run routes can this guy fake people out with his feet can he fucking you know churn after the two to get off press you got strong enough hands to get off press yeah exactly and you know i think i think alec pierce really kind of benefited from playing with desmond ritter you know i think desmond ritter is a quarterback who i actually really liked watching at cincinnati just because dude he did a little bit of everything you know and i don't want to jump into a quarterback debate because we're just absolutely not on the board for that but like i think alec pierce benefited a lot from that and i feel like his draft stock has risen way too much because of it and when you add in his combine numbers i think that really just kind of overvalues what he brings to the table as a wide receiver because dude like his numbers don't jump out at you like when you watch the cincinnati game i don't think there was any game where you could watch and be like dude alex pierce took this over it was always desmond ritter is that guy it's you know, that dude exactly yeah, no, you're 100% right about that. And that's not somebody you want to necessarily take a chance on. You know, I feel like you're getting a little too low down the board at that point, personally. Um, I know you brought up Jahan Dotson, but I would almost take a shot on him over over Alec Pierce, like, personally. Just just because, you know, he didn't really play with a great, great quarterback in Penn State. Um, Penn State, you know, they played legit competition every year. You can say what you want about the Big Ten. There's definitely legit competition in the Big Ten. Um, he's, he's got a little bit. No, I fuck with you just cause it's the, it's probably the third best or second best conference, but it's just, no, I always fart on their nuts every time it comes down to something special. Like, let's think, let's be real here. Like big 10 as a conference does not represent themselves with pride. No, well, it's because we end up having to play people outside the Big Ten in the playoffs. That's what <laughs> happens every single fucking time, man. It's, yeah. it's brutal. You know, I'm a Wisconsin Badger fan, dude. I, they've broken my heart every chance they get. Um, and, you know, Ohio State will always go out there, and Ohio State's always pissed off the rest of the Big Ten to the point that everyone in the Big Ten's rooting against Ohio State at that point. So we almost actually love it when they lose in the playoffs, even though it doesn't look great for the conference. That's just how – that's how much Ohio sucks in general, but I'm not, I'm not going to get on. Ohio's right the worst now. place on the planet, Dylan, if you're yeah, listening. Yeah, dude, at, at the absolute tops, dude, 49 out of 50, like at the absolute tops. Tops. <laughs> but uh, anyway, to, to finish up my point on Dotson, man, um, I, I wouldn't hate that pick as much as a lot of people would. Um, I think it would I, – I don't love the size, you know, because I think the biggest thing you have to look at in this draft – 178, bro. Well, I think the biggest thing you have to look at in this draft is like, if, dude, if we had a true X receiver, then yeah, that's one thing. You know what I mean? But like when you don't have that guy, like Darnell Mooney's not a, a big guy. You know? Exactly. You, that's, that's You need that guy opposite of Darnell Mooney. Burks is perfect. Like that's a sweet spot. Yeah, 100%, dude. And Ohio is a storage facility. That, that it, really it, has to drive the point home on that. Yeah, no doubt. Good call. Um, <laughs> No, but uh, what was I going to say? I, I like that's that's the thing about a guy like Alec Pierce. Like, I actually don't mind he's 6'3, 220 or 211, actually. So, okay, he he does play that 
big boy type of game. It's similar to Traylon Burks' uh, size. But overall, like a guy like Alec Pierce, I would take him at 71 still, you know? Like just looking at some of these wide receivers, I have kind of a, a draft that I put up in the background, and I'm just looking at some of the names I'm seeing, like Christian Watson, Dotson, Alec Pierce, George Pickens. Like those are guys that a lot of Bears fans have sold themselves on, and I think it's just because they're right there. You know what I mean? Because they're in front of your face, because – the Chicago Bears need a receiver pretty badly, and it doesn't. I'm, hey, but let's let's look at the positive side of things. They signed who was it? O'Shaughnessy from Jacksonville. Um, looks like they're going to just be running twelve personnel. So you only really need two receivers on the field at all times if you're going to do that. Maybe they run a little bit of uh, you know twenty-two personnel, get a fullback in there, some two back sets. Like, hey, you're not going to need that many receivers. That yeah, exactly. It looks like they're going to pound the fucking rock either way. So I think we're we're going to be looking at a. Uh, offensive lineman either way you know um but yeah some of these guys just don't do it for me like John Mechie a lot of guys have sold themselves on Jalen Tolbert Sky Moore like no like I'm okay with Burks like I'd be okay with trading up say you get to 20 where do the Packers pick at 28 you can get up to 27 maybe and give up like your 150 pick or something like that to get a guy like Chris Olave. I'd be okay with that. I'm not that high on Olave, but if they did that for Traylon Burks, I would, I would be okay with that to steal a receiver from the Packers. Um, but a lot of these guys like at 39, don't do it for me. It's funny too, because when you get to 71 or if they were to trade down to like 64, I'd be like, okay, I, I'd be okay with, you know, um, I'd be okay with Pickens there. I'd be okay with Dotson there. Like those guys seem like they have a lot more value, but with what you're seeing in a lot of these mock drafts and just overall ratings, it looks like, you know, I would rather have a guy like Lindenbaum or I'd rather have a guy like uh, Sean, you know, Sean Ryan from, from UCLA. Like he's supposed to be a terrorizer. Um, I'd be willing to get Bernard uh, Ramian. That's that's the dude from Central Michigan. Like, there's a couple tackles and guards that I really like there. Just like, uh, uh you know, Perrin Winfrey and some of those tackles, uh, or interior defensive linemen that I like. Some corners. So I, I just feel like at that pick, 38 or 39, I feel like you're gonna get a lot more value on the line or maybe cornerback. I really think, and I've seen him kind of fall in some mocks. Um, obviously that that's not the tell-all, be-all, or anything like that, but. A guy like a guy like Tyler Lindenbaum, if he falls to thirty nine, you are having a really fucking hard time passing him up right there. Because oh, he does, awesome. he doesn't even need to play center. He can play any interior spot that you need him to play. And I really think he has the upside to be a freaking All Pro type player. I really, really am high on Tyler Lindenbaum. Um, I would be shocked if he fell out of the center. That was really supposed to be that dude coming out of the draft with James Daniels too. Could yeah, but I mean, if we got. If we got a guy like Tyler Lindenbaum on a four-year deal and he played similar to James Daniels without injury, I'd take that. I mean, I'm taking that over George Pickens all day long, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, no doubt. If Zion Johnson, for some reason, who, like, at first, when you first started doing mock drafts, right before free agency began and everything, like, Zion Johnson from Boston College, just an athletic big motherfucker that plays guard. I mean, he looks like an absolute mauler for the most part. Um, he was supposed to be that guy in that range. You know, if someone like him were to fall, I would be salivating for it, you know? Um, but it just, it just depends. It just depends on who's there. It's so hard to tell. Um, I mean, who are some late round guys that you're looking at though? Um, late round, I would be remiss. And we, we haven't even talked about linebacker, but I would be, absolutely. Oh, that's I would be, we should talk about linebacker. Should we go back? 
No, 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 because honestly, I don't think we're going to go linebacker really high in this draft just because of how stacked it is. And, dude, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up, bring up fucking Leo Chanel. I, I, I do not understand how he is, doesn't have at least, like, have a second or third round pick, like, fucking grade on him. Like, I'm seeing, I'm seeing mocks that have him in the fourth and fifth round. Like, that, that blows me away. I think he is genuinely that good. He reminds me a lot of Chris Borland, another linebacker who came out of Wisconsin who did a little bit of everything. Obviously, Borland retired a little bit early, but he had, like, three years in, um, San Francisco, where he looked like a legit all-pro type linebacker. Like that's that's just the type of linebackers you end up getting out of Wisconsin when you get a pretty good um, interior guy. And you know, I I might sound biased for the whole Wisconsin guy thing, but like they were one of the best defenses in college football last year. They've been one of the best defenses in college football for like the last five years. Like they're usually hovering at least the top ten, almost usually the top five. Like they are that good. Um, so that's definitely an inside linebacker. I am really, really high on. Um, I've seen some guys bring up Christian. Where he goes too, you know, because I see yeah. his range all the way to like 150, and I see him taking at like you know 30, 37. Yeah. Oh, dude, I could see a team definitely reaching on him or reaching because I really think he is worth that second, third ground rate. But I could also see him falling because people are really enamored with the offensive lineman, wide receiver groups in this draft. You know, Look at what and, happened with Obosu last year. Like, he had no business falling. I think it was last year or two years ago. The Bidon's boy from fucking Notre Dame, like, he's killing it for the Browns. Dude's a freak. Yeah, like, he had no business. He fell to, like, 64 or something like that. Yeah, dude, and that's that's the thing. You you see so many solid college linebackers like fall like outside outside. Um, really, dude, you see them at like most defensive positions. Like, dude, you know, I just look at our own backyard. Like, we got Eddie Jackson. What, like the fourth round? Like, that's 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 the type of stuff that's there. You know what I mean? You have a guy who's coming off like an injury plague season that you can actually take a shot on, like a little bit closer to the middle late late rounds of the draft, man. And that's a guy that can end up being a total fucking star with you. Like, you know, look at, look at when, I mean, not to this extreme, but like, even look what like Dallas, when they uh, drafted Jalen Smith, you know what I mean? Like everyone thought like, holy shit, that's a reach. He looked like he had a career ending injury and they turned out to be a pretty solid starter for them for about four or five seasons. You know what I mean? Even earned a second contract. He didn't play through that, but you know, there's definitely going to be guys there. Um, before yeah, you made you know that. Else I really like is uh, Darren Beavers from Cincinnati. He's one of those guys that like, looks like he would be going in between 71 you know closer to like 90 and then like we don't pick again till 148 so he looks like he'd be someone that's snagged up in that round but if he were to fall or the bears were to move around move back and get him move up a little bit from that um from that fifth round pick and get him he's just like a guy that you know for a fact is going to be a four-pronged special teamer and he can come in and just fucking crack skulls in base and play sam just come and be your primary run defender um and keep like roquan clean keep uh, Nicholas Moreau clean who, who looks like he's going to be sliding in at Mike or maybe even Leo Chanel, your boy or Chanel. I don't know how to say his name, but to be honest, like that's a guy I really like, you know, you even have Troy Anderson. Like there's a couple really good linebackers that I would not be mad at if they got with that 48th pick, you know, they're guys that I think could be first round picks. If they weren't, if off ball linebackers were the same as you know, in terms of importance, like when Ray Lewis and, and Brian Urlacher were playing like those type of linebackers, like, you know, even Luke Keekley got a little bit of that era, but I think that early two thousands, you had a ton of really good fucking middle linebackers, uh, junior say out, you know, t- just the, the list goes on overall, but 
I feel like that type of guy at 48 wouldn't bother me. You know what I mean? Like any of those guys that fall where it's like, okay, he's not a premium position, but you already picked up an offensive lineman or you already picked a, a wide receiver with 39. Okay. Now let's just take the best fucking linebacker there. Like let's have someone that we can run this defense with. Um, Cause I'm okay with securing the middle of the defense. Like I find value in that. Yeah. And um, I, I think a guy like uh, even Chad Muma from uh, Wyoming would be, would be a good, uh, good pickup, big, big tackle eater, big boy plays big. Um, didn't, you know, didn't do bad at the combine or anything like that. He gets that like, Really solid guy, doesn't blow you out of the water, but like he'll be a respectable starter in the NFL. And dude, that's exactly what we need. You know what I mean? We do not need a star, another star linebacker. Obviously, it'd be fucking great. I mean, you know, you're never saying no to that, but like Roquan is that guy in the middle. You know what I mean? He just needs somebody next to him to look competent, eat up tackles, especially between the tackles, and kind of take on blocks. You know what I mean? And I think a guy like Chad Muma, a guy like Leo Chanel, obviously, even if we were to go super late to the other Wisconsin linebacker, Jack Sanborn, like I really I really like what he adds to the table too. That was basically his entire role last season was just that tackle eater. You know, and uh, got to think about the special teams aspect too. You know what I mean? Like linebackers are going to play special teams. They're going to be able to block. They're going to, you know, they're going to be able to block on field goal, punt. Um, they're going to be able to run down. Like they're athletic enough to make tackles. Like they're they're great pieces um, to have just just on your team. That's why the Bears always carried, you know, uh, Iggy and and Josh Woods and shit like that. Like they're just they're meaty enough to fucking handle blocking, but they're they're uh, also athletic enough to go down there and cover. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I uh, I really think with like our lack of safety depth too, um, and even if we didn't go super high on like a linebacker or something like that, I could see us, see us taking a shot at potentially a safety that played in the box quite a bit who could, you know, potentially play that kind of type of hybrid role as like a bigger size guy. Um, I know uh, but those Bowling, are the guys that are going to be there at like 150, you know? Yeah, well, that's that's what I'm talking about. Like, if we're talking late round, um, I liked Bubba Bolden out of Miami. Um, he's six two two oh six, so obviously you'd have to put on a little bit of weight. But he played really good, and he played really good in the box, like big hitter type guy. Um, honestly, was kind of lacking coverage skills for the most part. But um, you know, there's there's definitely uh, there's a spot for that. You know, Neil I think Neil Junior is another guy I really like. Similar, like downfield threat. He's only six foot, two hundred pounds, whatever, but. He comes down and like put puts licks on motherfuckers, um, which is something we all love to see as Chicago Bears fans. Yeah, and I mean, we even have uh, a guy right in the backyard, Kirby Joseph out of Illinois, who could uh, yep. definitely play some play in the box as well. Um, and that's that's the thing, dude. We just need a guy who can eat tackles next to Roquan Smith without being completely lost at his position. You know, be able to play a little bit in coverage which drafting a safety to almost kind of uh mix in a little bit on maybe third down in that nickel package wouldn't be the worst idea in the world because of the safety aspect and we wouldn't have to worry about as as much about him getting flushed out um in run coverage because we'd be using him more in a nickel package on like third and intermediate third and long type thing um but that's that's all going to depend on how Matt Eberflus feels about a system and the players that he already has in the building um, I could see him using that guy that we signed from Tennessee as that type that type of guy in nickel coverage as well, you know. Yeah. So it's it's all gonna depend. Um I I really think and I watched Iberflus's press conference um from yesterday, and one thing that he brought up quite a bit was just bringing talented guys in and having them know multiple positions. So I could see them drafting 
kind of around guys that know how to play different positions on the field. They're not just in that one set position and completely lost because, you know, I was thinking about it yesterday. What do you do with a team that is kind of limited? Like with what the talent you have, like, I think the bears have, yeah, you attack their, their weaknesses, but yeah. And, and you need players that can jump into different roles. If something were to come up, you know what I mean? Like, it's that simple. We're not going to just be holding one guy to one single position when the top, the number one guy in the depth chart goes down. We need somebody to come up and we need somebody else to play that position that that guy was just playing. You know what I mean? Or not even that you see like a guy like Devonte Adams, who was started getting moved into the slot or like even the bears try to use Allen Robinson out of the backfield because they're just trying to create matchups. So if they're trying to create matchups on you and you're limited or one dimensional and can, just pretty much Richard Sherman at corner corner and only play left side press your first half. You know what I mean? Like that's, they're going to be like, all right, well, let's just fucking make sure you can't press us. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I think, I think there is some advantages of that. And you, you see it kind of trending that way. A guy like Isaiah Simmons a few years ago, it was hard to place what position he was and that was supposed to make him fall, but he still went in the top 10. Like, um, you know, even Oosu from, from, uh, from Notre Dame, that was another guy that they were like, well, he's really not big enough to play linebacker, but he's way too big to play safety. Like, what should we do with him type thing? But at the end of the day, if you're an athlete and you fucking run like hell um, to the ball, you're you're going to be successful on defense. You know, like it's if you're smart, read your keys and just fucking take no bullshit. You will be a good defender. Um, and speaking of of, I guess, practicing what you preach or or defensive guys, Eberflus hanging his dong. Um, one thing that I really liked was today, uh, you know, we had mini camps and all that bullshit. Of course, there was drama because Eddie Jackson wasn't there yesterday. He was there today. Um, but I really liked um, Roquan Smith came out and talked. Um, and right away he said, yeah, they were kind of asking him what's going on with the defense. And right away he was like, yeah, we just run to the ball. We run to the ball, sprint. Blah, blah, blah. And that's all you heard Matt Eberflus talk about for the past three months or however long he's been hired is we're going to in practice. We are going to drill running to the ball when the ball is on the ground, picking it up and finishing the play, running and celebrating. And that's exactly what they've been doing. So it's nice to see some transparency and practicing what you preach. Obviously, it's I mean, it's uh mini camp or whatever it is so they're not, they're not doing anything real they're not installing like a ton of shit it's not like progress is being made but it is nice to just know because you think about some of the plays that happen on defense like that is a reflection of your head coach or your identity right like not always practicing that that's that's something that you're going to hear a ton about with lovey and the loafs and ron marinelli like this is all like coming back and and to me i do like that reminiscence of hey our most successful coach lovey smith this guy is a product of that. Like he believes in some of those same things and maybe he's going to put a new twist. Maybe he'll be more open to fucking not rotating his offensive coordinators every three fucking days. And just like some of those things that love you was stubborn about, but it's nice to see that like, and see some of those same things get put back in place. Cause those are some of the better years for me as a bears fan, right? Like you always, I, I'll I've said it once and I'll say it again with lovey. You always felt like you had that any given Sunday type of, mentality no matter how bad the team was no matter who was injured no matter what was going on they could pull off a fucking win you know like they just could was not that way with Matt Nagy Matt Nagy was just a slow burn you were just drowning you were watching yourself drown you could see the ledge but you just couldn't grab onto the ledge and pull yourself up like and it was just slowly but surely just suffocating you with just awful fucking bald antics and um (laughs) I mean 
awful fucking bald antics. That's fucking great. I mean, it's just ridiculous, <laughs> dude. Like, that's what it felt like. It was this just slow, awful fucking burn. Um, no, dude, I, I, and I'm 100% okay with, I'm agree with that. Overachieving this year and not have having that great of a team and being happy to win eight fucking games and maybe get a, a the worst wild card slot because when you fall ass backwards into it with the talent you had as Matt Nagy, I hate how this stupid bald fuck lives in my head rent free. But like it, I I'm, I'm okay with that for this year. Just like seeing them play hard, um, and I also think they're low key onto something here. Like I don't hate what with. I don't hate what they've done. Like, I like some of the guys they've brought in. I like that they're going tight end heavy. Um, I like that they're trying to reestablish just being tough. Um, and you're seeing that with some of their signings. So hopefully we get another guy in the trenches, you know, in this draft in 10 days or so. Well, you know, I think kind of to play off that as well, Lucas, you know, your your boy Dave Montgomery was a little tongue-in-cheek today about a potential extension as well. You know, I, I think that's a I really – that. Do tell. Yeah, no, it was. I'm uh, pretty sure he was asked about um, whether there were there have been extension talks, and he kind of uh, coyly said, "I believe that um, we've been talking." Type thing, you know what I mean? It, it was like one of those like you walk to the lunch table on second, you know, at lunch B or whatever, and uh, all your boys see you talking to that girl you've been talking about like for the last week, and you you know you sit come over to the table, and they're like, "Hey, what was that all about?" It's like, "Yeah, we're just talking." Yeah, it's just, yeah, just one of those things. Just one, uh, of those, yeah. But yeah, you know, I I think that really bodes well, and I I I agree with you, Lucas. I feel like there is something churning a little bit here. You know what I mean? It feels like there is a legit football guy on the top, and I think that's the biggest thing that drove me nuts when I was listening to uh, the Chicago media members question him. And I'm, I don't want to just throw all Chicago media members under. No, the they bus. suck balls, dude. I'm dude, willing to dude. I'm okay, their their questions are so fucking bad. Yeah. It, it's like it reminds me of like uh, New England asking fucking Belichick questions uh, to the point where Belichick will just look at people stupid and just give you one word answers because he knows he, he knows you have no like, idea what the fuck you're talking laugh. about. <laughs> yeah, well, dude, <laughs> that's like moan laugh. This one time. <laughs> Yeah, well, dude, and that's that's the thing is like, and I'm not comparing Eberflus to fucking the, one of the greatest coaches of all time. That's not at all what I'm doing. But he comes off like a guy who's just so ready to answer all these football questions. And then you're like fucking asking him like, well, Eddie Jackson's in here. How are you feeling about that? He's like, oh, yeah, no, that's totally fine. You know, we've been in constant communication with all the players that aren't here. And it's like it's like a football guy just up there like dying to be like, can somebody ask me about something? Can somebody ask me about my fucking scheme? Can somebody ask me like anything? But um, I kind of going back to the lovey smith point because i feel like this is a very important point and it's at least how i feel maybe it's not how everyone feels but like the thing that always made lovey's defense go is whenever lovey would talk about his defense or his scheme like in a press conference or anything like that i at least in my head brian urlacher always popped into my fucking head like dude this this defense you're explaining lovey reminds me of how brian urlacher plays the, the defense that matt eberflus is explaining every time he talks about it i just think of roquan smith I think about like, dude, finishing the running to the football, leadership, hustle, like fucking just your best player being being the biggest hustler on your entire team. Like, dude, it, how does that not just encapsulate what Roquan Smith brings to a fucking um a huddle? That's, that's, I mean, really what he is. that's like what he is, dude. And it's like I guarantee, like I didn't catch the clip with him today, but did he? Was he just completely intense the entire time? Like just the oh, dude, it was great. Like, First question he got asked was fucking about his weight and if he lost a little bit of weight, and he's like, "No, 
I always play fast. I wasn't worried about my weight at all. And I was just dude. like, he just hung dong straight on dude's forehead. I absolutely loved it. hundred um, percent, dude. Business, dude. I fucking love Roquan Smith. When when you talk, like when they talk about, we I, f- I feel like we highlighted this a couple episodes ago, but when they talk about like, hey, we want they being poles and Eberflus. We want guys that are tough, that are fucking like love football, blah, 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 blah. Like it makes me think of Roquan Smith, you know, Roquan Smith and David Montgomery Montgomery in particular. And it also makes me think, you know, back to George McCaskey. He likes to have his hand in things a little bit more than um, a little bit more than Bears fans like. But he did say, hey, I want to shout out David Montgomery and I want to shout out Roquan Smith at the end of the season because they played like they gave a fuck. Um, and it really did look like that. Mooney played like he gave a fuck, but it just seemed like a lot of guys quit out there a lot, um, which was sad. Uh, Robert Quinn was obviously playing in his contract year. He's probably so pissed. He saved those 19 sacks for last year. And just like now he's playing on the same contract. He thought for sure he was getting cut. Um, but no, yeah, I just, I don't know. No, I, I, I think we both kind of wrapped it up in a nice fucking package, dude. Roquan Smith, encapsulate Chicago bears football. He's the man. Anyone, anyone who has a problem with that, like, bro, I, there's a fucking team up north you can go check out. You probably like them. You know what I mean? Because obviously you like just absolute ball fighters. Well, who is it? It's not Douglas. Who is there? Devondre Campbell comes in I like a fucking street free agent and somehow is a first team all pro. Like, fucking makes me sick, dude. Like, yeah, dude. He listen. I he played well. I'm not gonna say he didn't, but like. They still fucking sucked against their own. Like they had, they were a DB DB driven team, um, and they had a couple of really nice pass rushers. Gary's actually turning out to be a lot better than I wanted him to. Yeah, um, I'm I'm still hoping he kind of falls off a cliff personally, but he did look pretty good like last anywhere. year. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, dude, I, I was actually talking to uh, my buddy, he's a huge Packers fan, probably one of my best, uh, one of my better friends. Um, and I was just talking about like why the Browns didn't run the ball more against the Packers because like guys like Nick Chubb will just dude, oh. they'll do whatever the hell they want against that defense. Like and like DeAndre Campbell, I'll give you that dude, solid linebacker. But you need more than one cook in the fucking kitchen to cook, you know, to give you a five course fucking meal on defense. Like it's that simple. And um, I, I just They're don't built think they're... Aaron Rodgers, man. That's why they couldn't get rid of them. Like look at their team. They're they. They built themselves similarly to um, the old old uh, Colts teams. Expect me to score early and often, and then we're just going to fucking have pass rushers come after you with some good DBs. Like, they're entirely built around Aaron Rodgers. That's why they had to sell their souls to keep him. Yeah, no, it, it feels like a complete skeleton crew at this point. Like, and that's that's the biggest point. Like, I don't want to talk about the Packers even, you know, all that much, but to kind of fire it off is, like, I've told Packer fans – like you are not going to have a better roster moving forward with Aaron Rodgers on it than you just had the past two years. Like it's not no, getting better. Yeah. It's not getting better than that. See what they do with those two first round picks. I have a feeling they're going to move down with one of them and take like a corner with the other one. And Packers fans are going to freak the fuck out. But Dude, I just they're heard- taking Desmond fucking Ritter with that first pick. 100%. I would die if they just did like, <laughs> any ticket Kyler Gordon combo or something like that. I would shit bricks. Well, dude, they got to start looking at fucking corners now because, like, Jair Alexander's going to get fucking paid, dude. Like, paid. Denzel Ward just got paid, and Jair Alexander is, like, right in that fucking, right in that conversation. So, like, like I said, to wrap it all up, the Packers, they, I mean, I can't say it, I guess. 
completely without the fucking first round picks in the in the equation. But like, I, I, do I don't think they're as good either. They got worse. They're I don't think they'll they'll never be better than the team they had for the past two years. I don't think they will. They're not going to top that. And not without a complete rebuild again and hitting on another Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah, and Aaron's not going to get better. Aaron, is, Aaron is who, is, who he is. Third for them not to act, actually. It's one thing to go to the Super Bowl and lose, but to not go, to not win a weak NFC conference, like the weaker at least. There's some good teams in there, but Tom Brady shows up his first year and just fucking hangs dong all over your face. (laughs) That's like, that's rough, man. Like that team was really fucking good. You have guys that are all pro. You have four guys in your defensive backfield that are all all pro caliber players. You have an all all pro wide receiver, arguably the best quarterback of all time. Hall of Fame level talent on the line is, or on your offensive line. Some really nice defenders. Kenny Clark's a fucking freak. Like you had an absurd team, bro. Of course you. They should have. They fucking screwed. That makes me so happy. They drafted Jordan Love. They just bro. fucked themselves, bro. Bro, they're replacing all their good players with fucking Garfield, man. It's it's as simple as it's, that. It's Payne versus Garfield. <laughs> yeah, you got fucking Bane, Aaron Rodgers, and then you have just fucking fifty two Garfield dicks out there, man. Like I'm sorry. This ain't going to happen. We'll, I guess we'll be able to talk more next week because we draft is what? Thursday, Friday, Saturday next week? Yep. Oh, no, I guess I guess concerning that, um, I don't want to set anything in stone because I really didn't talk to Lucas off the show about it, but uh, definitely plan on having having our faces on some sort of live stream or some sort of show during the first and second round. Or what? They, play, they have the second and third round on the same day, right? Third, but that's my mom's birthday, actually. So I got to figure out what's going on. All right, I might solo man that shit, but you might have to, or just uh, have a couple of these jerk offs jump jump on with you. Yeah. Um, I, we'll see. I don't know if we're actually doing something on the day of, or if it's that weekend, or what the deal is. Um, Lucas, Lucas, do not skip your mom's birthday to be no, I, live stream. I wouldn't skip my mom's birthday. I'm just saying, I don't know. Like a lot of times, we'll we'll do a dinner where everyone can get together on like a Sunday or something, or. Or something like that, you know. So and you, you'll live you'll live stream us from the bathroom like mid meal, no doubt. <laughs> but um, all right, I think that's a good spot to you know to knock her out of the park. Uh, uh, one more guy I want to talk about is Kyle Phillips. He hangs down. Um, really just unathletic guy that no one's going to hear about. Um, but he's going to catch like a hundred balls for some random team next year. So Kyle Phillips hangs down from UCLA. Check him out. Doesn't do anything great, but. It's easy to upgrade when you have the wide receiver core that the Bears have right now. Um, and I think you could run really nice from the slot. So future years to come. But we'll talk yeah. about the draft next week, too. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess kind of previewing up uh, moving forward, I guess one thing I really do want to talk about that we didn't touch on, um, like I said, we'll leave it for next show, is uh, the potential rush for David Bell in the middle rounds. Because I feel like teams are going to hit a point where he's like, they're just sitting out there. I could see a team trading up in the – Late second, third round for him. I don't think he makes it to the third. I think I think people are going to look past it and be like, "Yeah, that's fucking crazy." Like, look at his production versus look at his production versus Sky fucking more. Like, this is who I'm picking between. Because if there is a true run on wide receivers, like there's always going to be guys that fall, right? But if there is a true run on wide receivers, and you're looking at pick 48, or even for someone like. Say say the Niners trade Debo Samuel and they, they need to draft a fucking wide receiver with their second with their second pick or they trade up a little bit. Like, are they gonna take who would you rather have? A guy that produced like a motherfucker or Romeo Dobbs from Nevada? 
fuck off. That's what you're looking at. Justin Ross, Calvin Austin, guys that are fucking five foot nine, 112 pounds. Like, and don't get me wrong, I like Calvin Austin actually, so I don't want to be that guy because I like a lot of those players. We don't need any more little dudes. We need a thick boy. Two C's, T H I C C. We need someone that's fat and long, like straight up, dude. Dude, I, I've already been thinking about what my reaction is going to be if Traylon Burks falls to thirty nine, and I'll just tell you, it. it is, it will not disappoint. I might skip mom's birthday for that one. No, I will fucking lose my mind. But um, all right, that's a good spot to stop. Me, me, and this Jagoff could go all day. Um, I'm Duke Coughlin, that pod guy, Duke. That's Lucas Perfetti at Lucas Perfetti 46. We're barely there at barely there pod. You can catch us on Spotify, Apple, Anchor. We're not on Google Play because fuck that shit. Um, but you can find Are us they anywhere else. Cox smokers? No, dude, I have not heard anything. I've tried logging into Google Play so many times from the account. Dude, it's kind of like, remember having you sign into uh, YouTube, how much oh, pain the asset yeah, was? Yeah. Yeah. It's similar. It is that bad. Yeah, but anyway, um, yeah. So follow us on our socials. Like I said, um, I put the hand, I put all the handles for us. I'll put it down in the description. Um, we'll see you guys on Wednesday. Also, Dude, if you're it, using Google Play, like, what fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, who actually? I don't think I don't. I don't think I know anyone that actually listens to Google Play. If you're forced to use it, I'm very sorry for making fun of you. But like, I feel like if you have access to Google Play, you should have access to Spotify. So just listen to us on there. Google Play is just like, I don't know, man. You might as well be in Jurassic Park or something. Bro, base version of Spotify is free. Like, you're going to have to listen to an ad that we're not going to get paid for. But fucking A, man. Like, it's not that It's not that hard. Not yet. Listen to it on Spotify, please. Google. All Play right. But anyway, on that point, we're Jagoffs. Bear down. Um, we'll see you guys next week. Bear down.